0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Let's uh, dive into our series here. We have been in a series for the last several weeks called the Kingdom of Heaven. When Jesus came to this earth, he ushered in a new kingdom. A kingdom that the people at the time did not understand. They could not under- see or realize what Jesus was was doing. The Israelites and the the Jewish people were awaiting God's kingdom, but they were expecting it to come like a King David. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus brought in a new kingdom, and Jesus has been calling mankind to come and to enter his kingdom. And when men and women give their lives to the Lord, and when men and women are following Jesus, They come under his kingdom rule, and they come under Jesus's authority. So we have been in this series, and we have been looking at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and a little bit of chapter 8 last week. We have been looking at how does Jesus call his people to live? If we are going to be following Christ, if we're going to be walking in his kingdom, how does he desire for us to live? Well, last week, we looked at this account in Matthew chapter 8, where where Jesus calms the storms of the sea with his disciples. And then they land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they come up against, I shouldn't really say come up against, but they encounter two men possessed by demons, who scriptures say they were absolutely out of hand, nobody wanted to travel that way. But Jesus heals these people. His kingdom shows up, and there's this healing that takes place. But not everybody wants God's kingdom. Because in this case, we see two, two men that the entire town knew that were absolutely crazy get healed. And the people come out and they say, Jesus, we want you to leave this place. Scripture says that they beg Jesus to get out of here. Well, we want to continue on the kingdom this week. And actually, this will be our last message on the kingdom of heaven. I... Maybe some of you might be excited about that because we have been in it for quite some time. But this is something that I do want us to be coming back to because I think as a believer, we need to be reminded constantly whose kingdom we belong to. It's so easy to get caught up into the kingdoms of this world and to just kind of just go with how the world is going. But God has called his people to a different kingdom. Well, this this week we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at and see who does Jesus invite into his kingdom. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 9 and let's, let's stand out of uh, reverence for God's word and let's read it together this morning. So this is Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. It says this, And Jesus passed from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" But when he heard it, this is Jesus, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we, as we come and as we look to your word this morning, Father, I ask for your spirit to be moving within our hearts and minds. God, help us to see a little bit more clearly this morning your kingdom. Father, we give you praise now and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated here. So Jesus calls this man by the name of Matthew. In verse nine, it says, and Jesus passed from there and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And the scriptures give us brief words. It says, and he rose and followed him. But we see Jesus calling this man by the name of Matthew. And I want to kind of give you a little bit of glimpse into who this Matthew is this morning, because this is an important thing within this story here. This Matthew, it's very interesting. You guys, um, there may be one or two of you here that loves to study history and loves to study the Roman history. Uh, It's very interesting at this time period. So at this time period, I just want to remind you, you've got the Jewish people, you've got the nation of Israel, and the Romans rule over them. Romans are in charge. The Jewish people, not in charge. Okay, The Romans were. But what the Romans would do is when they would come and conquer a territory, see, there wasn't enough Romans to conquer the entire Mediterranean area. But what they would do is they would have a fierce army and they would come in and they would conquer a people and then they would take those people and put them into Roman jobs. And this is who we have here. We have Matthew. He's a Jew by his heritage and he's from Israel. He has that heritage there. The Romans came in, conquered Israel, and then they would hire Jewish people to carry out their jobs. So we have here, we have Matthew, who is a tax collector, and now being a tax collector at that time, it's a little bit different. When I think of a tax collector, I think of like, you know, the like IRS, like just like collecting our taxes. It wasn't, he wasn't a tax collector, like collecting on income tax. They believed that he was a tax collector collecting on like trade goods. So when new goods would come into this area, into this region, they would have to pay taxes on it. And he was a guy that was hired by the Romans to collect the taxes. Now, it's very interesting. If you're working for the Romans, very good job. I'll just let you know this. If you're, if you're part of the Roman system, you've got good pay. You've got the Roman army there to protect you. You're kind of one of them. But there's a downside to it. Your people don't like you because you are one of them. And when it comes to the tax collectors, nobody liked them. And we know that this has never changed. We don't like tax collectors today. Uh, Not that we have tax collectors coming to our door, but, you know, nobody really enjoys them. And the tax collectors, they were also known as people that would also line their own pockets. So because you're collecting money on these goods coming in, you could sometimes charge a little bit more. And guess what? The person paying taxes, they couldn't fight it. You had to pay it. And then the tax collector would give it to the Romans and put a little bit into his own pocket. So this is Matthew here. And I give you this background because we need to kind of understand who Matthew is. The Jewish people do not accept them. Though Matthew is a Jew, though Matthew comes from the Jewish heritage, he is not accepted within his own society because of his ties to the Romans. So when Jesus comes and sees Matthew... And says, Matthew, follow me. We need to understand the society norms at the time. And I've been, I've been kind of like thinking about this. Is like, who does everyone in our society kind of despise? Because the tax collectors were despised. Like, we need to really see this clearly. Like, they, they were not welcomed by the other Jewish people. They did not enjoy them. Like, everything about them, they were despised because of, their, of them robbing Jewish people. And working for for the Romans. And as I was thinking about this, it's kind of like in our era, like politicians. Like, like, let's just be like really honest. Like, I don't know too many people that really enjoy politicians these days. Whether and I'm talking about on both sides of the aisle, like nobody really enjoys politicians. And this is who Jesus invites to come and to follow him. But there is one thing that is left out of this story. Now, Matthew, the tax collector, he ends up, and you may or may not know this, but the gospel of Matthew is written by this tax collector. Matthew leaves out a very important, you could say almost phrase, on this account. So Matthew's writing this account of him coming and following Jesus. But look at Luke chapter 5. We see the same account, but look at how Luke writes it. This is Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. And he says, after he went out, he saw a tax collector named Levi, which is also Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We get this little bit of a better picture of who this Matthew was and what the cost of Matthew following Jesus. We've got a quick video if you have ever seen The Chosen. They're going to pull it up here and uh, uh, Joey's going to hit the lights and try to get the sound. But they show this account in this and I want to show this to us this morning. Same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes? Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you! What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away? Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. I can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? Dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. I love that account that he gives there. I like how even Matthew has his little notebook with him, and he's the one who ends up writing the gospel of Matthew. Now it's interesting when Jesus calls Matthew. Matthew has no idea how things are going to turn out. Matthew's life in, at this given point in time, very successful life. Within financial terms, within society terms, within the Roman world, very well off kind of guy. And then this Jesus comes along, says, Matthew, follow me. In Luke's version, says Matthew leaves everything and follows him. And Matthew had no idea what was about to take place within his own life. This is what I think is so amazing about the call that Jesus gives to mankind. That Jesus gives this call not just to Matthew, but to all of mankind. Follow me. But nobody knows how this is going to end. Right? Like Matthew sees him and follows Jesus. Matthew had no idea that he was going to fall deeply in love with Jesus, that he was going to follow him for three years and then watch his Savior get hung on a cross. Matthew had no idea. He had no idea that Matthew would end up seeing Jesus die on the cross and then three days later rise from the dead and then have his Savior say, Matthew, I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth. Matthew had no idea that, in according to church history, that he would become a missionary and leave Jerusalem and travel to many parts of the world, and then one day die a martyr's death by being speared. Matthew had no idea on that day. But this is the call of the kingdom. The kingdom of God comes and he calls mankind, just like he calls Matthew. And as Jesus comes and says, follow me, Matthew, with his limited knowledge, with his limited thought of like, I don't even know what this means. I've heard of this Jesus. I've heard of maybe some like miracles. But this Jesus comes and he says, follow me, Matthew. Now, the story continues here in Matthew chapter 9. And, and I like how they give reference to they're going to Matthew's house because in chapter 9, verse 10 of Matthew, it says this. It says, in Jesus' reclined at the table in the house behold many tax collectors and sinners came and were were reclining with him and his disciples it doesn't say it here but in luke's version it gives us the awareness of where they are they're at matthew's house so jesus calls matthew and matthew is now having a party and it's interesting here that it says many tax collectors and sinners came for the party one thing within this time if the Jewish people saw a bunch of tax collectors gathering, like, first of all, tax collectors, I've already said, were despised. But when they saw them gathering together, that was almost like another level of threat to them, because they thought that if the tax collectors were all together, that they were collaborating with the Romans. Not just working for them, but they believed, like, wait a minute, like, if you guys all get together, you're actually collaborating with Romans. The Romans, And it says here that many tax collectors and sinners are at Matthew's house gathering for dinner. Now, we might wonder, like, well, where did all these people come from? Like, we need to also understand tax collectors need friends and sinners, according to their culture, We're friends with all the tax collectors, so we've got this whole hodgepodge of people. Now, it's interesting, who are the sinners? What exactly does it mean to be a sinner at that time? There has been much debate as far as what these sinners actually were, but we know that these people that Jesus is having dinner with were rejected by the religious community, They were not friends with the religious people. They did not associate with the religious people. Now, this could have been for many of just different reasons. But they were people who were unsavory types, who lived beyond the edges of respectable society. And we know that the religious people reject them, because look at verse 11. It says, And when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees, the religious people, they said to his disciple, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, we don't really know the whole circumstances here, but we can see that these Pharisees see this Jesus. And we knew the Pharisees in Jesus' ministry time, they were always watching him. They were always trying to keep an eye on what Jesus was doing because of everything that was taking place. And they spot Jesus in this guy's house. And they are very curious on what Jesus is doing there. So instead of going directly to Jesus, look at what they do here. It says they go to one of Jesus' disciples. You know, maybe he was standing by the door and the Pharisees come and they say, Hey, what's your teacher? I see that you follow this guy. What's he doing eating with those people? Those people are not acceptable. Those people are we find zero favor with, we do not accept them, we have rejected them. What is your guy doing here? And this is a big thing. And, and like what I said, within our social norms, like, you know, like a lot of our society and this whole idea of like having dinner, we don't get offended if you were inviting someone over to be having dinner. Our society doesn't like You know, if you invited, you know, someone over maybe who was, you know, on the outskirts of society, like, nobody in your neighborhood would be like, hey, like, what are you doing hanging out with this guy, right? Like, there's, we don't live in this, like, society culture is what they live in, but within their culture, and I've said this many, many times, in the Middle Eastern culture, dinner is a really big deal. Like, I can't even express to you. If you are within the Middle Eastern culture and somebody from their culture invites you into their home it's not just dinner it's like they are protecting you they have welcomed you into their inner circle it is a really big deal within middle eastern culture and within jewish's culture jesus's culture here so when matthew has jesus over and he's there with all these sinners and these other tax collectors the religious people would have known like a respectable teacher doesn't go to that place they don't walk into those doors. That's, a, that's more than just saying hi to someone. Because you have now entered their inner circle. But here Jesus is. Having dinner with the people who are the lowest of lows in their own society. And I've been, I've been pondering this, this thought. Because so often, guys, when we read Scripture, you may or, or may not know this. When you and I read Scripture... We never put ourselves as the villain. I don't know if, if you've ever like recognized that. Most of the time when you like, read like, Scripture, you always like to think of yourself as like, the good person. But in this case, put yourself as a Pharisee because that's who we should be thinking about here. And I've been thinking this past week, if I saw Jesus having dinner with certain people, what type of people would I be getting offended by? Because we all have people, whether you realize this or not, you have people that you kind of think are kind of despised by God, that God doesn't have any love for those people. You know, on my list, I don't even want to share my list because it just embarrasses me, but I have people where I think within society, where I recognize I would be offended. I would really question like, Jesus, you're having lunch? With those people now for me i, I mentioned politicians but i do kind of think politicians are like the lowest of lows within our society like i i personally do and i thought what if i saw jesus having dinner with those people like how would i really feel you know like like say as a pastor i'd like to say well you know i'm i believe jesus just loves all and everything's good but here it hits home And we need to realize that Jesus invites people in that the religious people despised. And we all have people that we kind of think of are maybe a little bit lower or Jesus doesn't really love those types of people because those types of people are robbing from us and those types of people are the worst of the worst of the worst. That's who he's having dinner with. That's who he's, he's spending time with. And this is so important for us to understand how God's kingdom is because this is who Jesus does. This is what he does. He has dinner and he gets around these people that the religious don't think that he should. And then Jesus says to them, I love verse 12. So Jesus hears the religious people talking. And he says to this in verse 12, he says, but when he heard it, He said, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Jesus could have easily have said something different here. He could have easily have said, listen, plain and simple, I came for sinners. He could have like plainly said that, but he kind of gives them this line for them to kind of think on. Those who are well have no need for a physician they could have been looking into this dinner party and been thinking, no one in this household is sick right now, Jesus. What are you talking about? But Jesus is getting at to the heart of the message. The heart problem is that mankind is sick. And they need a physician. And that's what Jesus is trying to, to drive home to these religious people because they couldn't understand it. They never thought that they were the problem. They always were blaming someone else. It was always somebody else's problem, somebody else's sin. They could never see, it's me. I need a physician. I'm the sick person. They couldn't see that. And that's, that's actually one of the biggest problems with religious people. And that's actually what our society today even has against religious people, is that so many people are like, well, they're just hypocrites. It's because so many people do not realize how sick And how badly and desperately they need a physician. Well, Jesus doesn't just leave them there. In verse 13, Jesus says this to them. He says, go and learn what this means. Why don't you just like pause right here too because I want to give you, a, I realize I do give you a lot of historical background, but it's so important to understand how this is taking place. The Pharisees were the most educated people within the religious society. They, they went to school. They were raised at like little, uh, little children here all the way up. They were like, they had learned and learned and learned. They were highly educated, highly schooled. And then Jesus says this to them, I want you to go and learn. Major slap to the face. Because in their mind, we've already learned. But Jesus says this. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is is actually paraphrasing Hosea 6.6, and they would have known this. Hosea 6.6 says this. He says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offering. Jesus says to these religious people, he says, listen, I want you to go and learn these words. I want you to understand what this means. Because you obviously don't understand what what this means because you can't see past your own religious level and your own religious eyes that you have towards mankind. You despise these people. But I'm telling you, When Jesus' kingdom come, and when it came, Jesus is saying this to the religious people so that they can understand this is how God's kingdom operates. He desires mercy and not sacrifice. The religious people at the time, they knew sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you're reading Bible in a year along with us here, I don't know if you've gotten to Leviticus yet. Um, it's one of the best Old Testament books, if you've, if you've never read that. That's, that's a joke for some of you who actually have read the book. But the book of Leviticus is all sacrifice. Literally, you read it, and it's like, if you do this, you got to sacrifice this animal. And if you do this sin, you must do this animal. And it's sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. For the Jewish people, they understood sacrifice. Okay, This wasn't anything new to them. They knew this plain and simple because for certain sins there were certain animals that would need to get sacrificed to cover up their sins so when jesus says here i desire mercy and not sacrifice the religious people only knew sacrifice they thought that that's what god wanted and i feel like some of us today kind of feel that way that we think that god's desire for our life is purely sacrifice well if i'm going to follow jesus i got to sacrifice I'm going to be part of this, i got to just live a life of of just sacrifice. Well, I, I don't really want to do that, but I will sacrifice. Now, part of following Christ is us living a life, being devoted to Him and saying, Jesus, whatever you call me to do, I will do. I will live and I will honor you. But Jesus is pointing out something to the very heart of who God is. That He desires for people to show mercy towards other people. The religious did not get this. They could not comprehend, how do I show mercy to someone? How do I show mercy to someone, if I'm really honest, I kind of despise? Am I willing to, I don't know, maybe invite them into my life? Am I willing to go to them? Am I willing to spend time with them? And this is what we have to really understand here, church. And this like I said, it's so easy to think we're not the religious people. You know, you know we're not that, that pious and, you know, like that way. If we're really honest, we can be. And Jesus calls his church and he calls those who are living in his kingdom to live radically differently. The religious people categorize people. Well, you're clean and you're unclean and you're this and you're that. And Jesus shows us a completely different way. He comes, he reaches out to Matthew, who even his disciples would have hated. I liked how the video clip made that clear. The disciples, they would have hated this Matthew guy too. Jesus reaches out to him and invites him to partake in his kingdom. And I think we need to realize that this is who our God is. All of mankind Every human being, whether the worst of worst sinners or if you think is a saint, Jesus comes to invite all of mankind into his kingdom with the worst backgrounds, with the best backgrounds. But the thing is, is that we need to grasp this concept that we're the ones in need of a physician. We're the ones who need God to come and heal us, to come and to clean us up. And I I just want us to be a church that will always live in a way that understands what we actually need. Because when we realize we're a sinner just like, just like the person I despise, <laughs> that I, I may think I'm better than so-and-so, but the reality is, is I'm really not. But this is how great my king is. That my king comes and calls me and cleans me up and forgives me of my sins, and my king can come and clean and forgive anyone of all of their sins. That's how great our king is. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at to the religious people at this time. They're so upset that he would possibly be around those people. I don't spend time with those people. And Jesus says, I do. And I think for us, We need to be very, very careful right now in the society we are living in. You guys may or may not realize this, but the the world we are living in is very divisive right now. Our society, our news, everyone wants to put somebody into some sort of category and then pin those categories against somebody else. And I would just say, as a church, as a follower of Christ, we can't buy into those lies, into that just absolute terrible type of thinking. We need to see people as how God sees people. That every single human being, whether attending church or not in church today, desperately needs to hear about Jesus. That this king can forgive all sins, regardless of your political background, regardless of what you have done, regardless of everything there, that this king can forgive you. And we need to really break down walls and ideas that we personally have because I know I'm guilty of so many of them. Like, well, I, I, you know, it's, Jesus loves me, but I don't, you know, I don't really know about this person. And this is how amazing God's love is and how amazing his kingdom is. He comes and he calls tax collectors. He calls politicians. He calls people we might despise. And he said, come and follow me. Come and learn what it's like to live in God's kingdom. And I would challenge you, church, we got to be people that live this way. When we have thoughts about certain people, we got to really just, God, I... I I need to be thinking how, how you are thinking. I need to be praying for them. I may not agree with them. And Lord, help me to be a witness to them. Help me to love them. Help me to be a witness for you and to their lives. Because it's the most amazing thing about these r- religious people, they would spend no time with sinners. Like, no time. Like, literally, if you looked at their like, calendar day, They didn't want to be around these types of people, like literally had no time for them. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be nice to you. I don't want to have any encounters with you. And Jesus teaches us church to live differently, teaches us that his kingdom is so much bigger than our little thoughts that we have about certain people. And I would just encourage us and for us to just say, God, come, come come and forgive me of this, Lord. God, help me to be a, be a person that will repent of my own thoughts, of my own prejudices that I've had about people and about categorizing people and who is saved and who is not saved. God, help me to live it as you lived here. Help me to be willing to be a, a man or woman who is in your kingdom that will go beyond how the world wants me to be living. I want us to stand this morning, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We sing a song this morning that I think really summarizes this. It's called Amazing Grace. You guys have all, have all sang this, and it's the most popular Christian song ever. And uh, as the worship team comes, I'd like for us to pray. And I'd like for us to sing this song because I think it's a good reminder of who we are that we need His grace. And his grace is amazing. And I was once blind and now I see. And Lord, you have come and you have forgiven me. And Lord, help me to live a life as you live towards the people of this world. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your son. I thank you, Lord, for how you have shown us the grace and the love that you have for mankind. Father, help us as your church to be men and women that would go and live in your kingdom and live out your ways. Father, I thank you for who you are today. Father, as we sing, may you come and may you be ministering to us through your spirit. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.